This is the Sunday morning message broadcast from Church of God Holiness in El Dorado Springs.
great song. Would you please open your Bibles to the first book in the New Testament, book of Matthew, and we'll be picking up our reading in just a couple moments with uh, chapter Matthew 25, verse 14. If you've been gone a couple of weeks, you're like coming in at the end of the movie. Uh, this is part three in the final lesson of our short series called Who's Better? And we've been talking about this horrible habit that we all have. And last week I, I said it's probably more than just a habit, a horrible habit. It probably crosses the, the line over into sin where we compare ourselves to other people. And we know we shouldn't do it, but we do it anyway. And, and the bottom line for this whole series has been the simple statement, there's no win in comparison. And the reason is that there's somebody with more, remember, err. There's always someone that's richer or skinnier or prettier. We called it the land of Ur. Their house is nicer. Their kids are smarter. And so there's no win in comparison. Now, today as we wrap up this series, we're going to look at a parable that will really bother some of you. You're going to say, Jesus, not fair. You're not an equal opportunity employer. And I'm just warning you, you will not like the outcome. Now, before we get into this parable, let me give you a couple of general facts about parables. First of all, a parable is a made-up story. Uh, it, it can be based on a true story, but a parable is just an illustration. Something else. Parables were generally given to make one or two single, simple points. Now, we preachers, we've kind of tried to squeeze ten points or sometimes even an entire sermon series out of one parable. But, but when Christ gave a parable, generally He was trying to make one, at most, two simple points. One other fact, parables were often confusing. Jesus wanted to make people think. And so at times, uh, He would explain a, a, a parable and or tell a parable, and, and he would see that there was this blank look, and so he would go ahead and explain it. But, but at other times, when, when Jesus would finish the parable, he did what I would love to do sometime, this walk off the stage. And, and people are scratching their heads, they're looking at each other, but, but what would happen is that would lead to discussion, and that's what Jesus wanted. Now, as we come to the particular parable that will anchor our thoughts today, let, let me also prep you with a couple of other tips. To fully understand this parable, you will need to read the whole section of parables that you find back to back to back to back, beginning in Matthew 24 and going into Matthew 25, because they go together. It's like a mystery that requires you to look at some other similar cases. Now, something else, and you know, I kind of alluded to this, I will just give you advance notice that this parable has a surprise ending. You'll, you'll be a little shocked at how it will end, and you will not like the ending. It will rub you the wrong way. The ending is not one in which everyone lived happily ever after. The, the last tip about this particular parable is that if you have a Bible that, that has uh, headings over section of verses, subheadings, whatever, probably in, in your Bible, it's going to refer to you as the parable of the talents. But you need to know that this word talent probably more accurately means a measure of money. 
in the translation that we will use today, the NIV, it will, re, it will be referred to as a bag of gold. Now, uh, the, the older translations of the NIV actually say talents, and the newer translation NIV, it, it says a bag of gold. Uh, but, but anyway, just know that a talent was generally some type, uh, some measure of money, gold, silver, coins, whatever. Okay, I think that's enough. Let's go ahead and read Matthew chapter 25, verse 14. Again, it, and because we're right in the middle of a bunch of parables that go back to back to back, it says again, and it refers to the kingdom of heaven. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants, and here's the key word, and entrusted his wealth to them. So the master did not give his wealth to them. He just said, I'm going on a long trip. I'm going to entrust, which means I'm going to just place this in your possession so you can manage and invest while I'm gone. And, and if you were raised in church, you know the parable, verse 15. To one, he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, to another one bag. And then here's another key phrase in this parable, each according to his ability. And this right now in our society is a, is a phrase that bothers a lot of people because, as we said, this is anything but an equal opportunity employer. But as the master looked around at his different employees, he scanned them and, and he identified one that, that maybe he had been watching for quite some time. And he says, you know, I've been watching you. It, it appears that you have a pretty good financial head on your shoulders. So I'm going to entrust five bags of gold to you to manage and invest while I go on this long trip. Well, he scanned his employees again and, and, he, and he saw another one and maybe he didn't say this out loud, but he thought, you know, you, you know, may not be quite as sharp as the first guy, but, but I think you've got a pretty good sense of investing and so I'm going to entrust to you two bags of gold. But he had a little bit more and so he scanned the room again, his employees, and, and he identified a third man and, and, he, and he probably thought, you know, I, I really don't know much about you, but who knows, maybe you're a diamond in the rough. And since I need to diversify my funds and not put everything in, in one basket, I'm going to take a little bit of a risk on you and ask you to manage and invest one bag of gold. So make sure you understand that in this parable, the master recognizes that all of the people that work for him do not have the same skill set. But the Bible says that according to the skill set that he had identified within them, he gave them the responsibility of the talents. Now, when you read a parable like this, there are two questions that you should ask. One of the questions is, where is God in the parable? Because God is in it. Well, that, that answer is easy. God is the master. The master is God. He's the one that's giving the talents or, or the gold to each as he sees fit. But the second question to, to ask whenever you read a parable like this is the, the question of where am I in the parable? Because you're in it as well. Uh, and, and I can't necessarily identify where, where all of you are in this parable. You know, uh, just as in this parable, we all have different skill sets. Some of you may be a five-bagger. You're good, and, and your peers and your friends and family, they, they know you're just kind of a cut above everyone else in a particular area. Maybe not in all areas, but in a particular area. So you may be a five-bagger, but probably some of us here are one-baggers. 
You know, we may not have a lot of resources, we may not have a lot of talent, and so we most closely identify with the one receiving one bag. But more than likely, the majority of us fall into the category of a two-bagger. You know, we don't get five bags, we're not that good. A little better than the one-bagger. You know, in life, there's always somebody who has more. There's always somebody that can, you know, uh, that, that's got more talent, talent than we do. And, and there's always someone that has less and less talented. And so the majority of us here today are in the middle someplace. We'll just call ourselves two baggers. Well, Jesus continues on and went on his journey. Verse 16, the man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. Now, we don't know how long the master was gone, but looking at the context here, it was probably a, a, a good amount of time. But this five-bagger, he came up with an investment plan, and we don't know the plan. Whatever it was, was a good plan. And he was able to double his master's money. He started out with five bags of gold, doubled his money, ended up with ten bags of gold. Let's keep on reading. Verse 17. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. So, so the two-bagger guy, he also had a good game plan. He took two bags of gold. He invested it wisely. He managed it. And uh, next thing you know, he had four bags of gold. Verse 18. There's one more employee left. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground... And hid his master's money. Now, before we move on, let me try to read between the lines. And, and I want to make this clear. You won't find this in the Bible. But let's try to get inside of the head of this guy that we're calling a one-bagger. What was he thinking? Why did he bury his bag of gold? Well, I, I think that we can uh, fairly accurately follow what he was thinking. Because you know why? Because this is the way that you would think. And this is the way I think. And, and especially this is the way that our society thinks today. I believe that this one bagger from the very get-go, from the moment he saw that two others got more than he did, he immediately thought, this isn't fair. I mean, doing the math, I only got 20% of what the first guy got. That's not fair. I mean, if I would have gotten the same amount as he did, you know, five bags of gold, that would have been easy to manage and invest and make money off of it. I mean, when you've got money, it's easy to make money, that's what we say. And so five bags of gold would have been way more than enough startup cash to actually do something with. I mean, even two bags of gold would have given me enough to start some kind of small business to multiply the master's money. Again, we're just kind of getting inside of his head. But I'm sure he thought all I got was one little measly bag of gold. I was doomed before I even started. This was so unfair right out of the gate. I mean, isn't that the way we think? Nod your head that way. <laughs> you know, we, we think, well, so-and-so's got it made. You know, if I had their same opportunity, I could do so much. And I mean, we, we think we've got to have money to make money. And so... So-and-so's got it so easy. Their parents started the business. And, 
you know, they just kind of moved into it and they've got it made. And here I am stuck in this low paying job and I will always be in this cycle of hand to mouth and and hand to mouth. And I will never be able to better myself because I'm one of those unfortunate one baggers. Well, let's keep on reading one day. The master decides to return. Verse 19, after a long time. How long? I don't know. But if you read most of Jesus' parables, after a long time generally means at the end of your life. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, and can you imagine the excitement? I mean, he knew he had done a good job. He had doubled the money and he was excited for this day to be able to give uh, an account to the master. And he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I've gained five more. And the master had to be ecstatic saying, you know what? I had a feeling there was just something special about you. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. And at that point, probably everybody in Jesus' audience that was hearing this parable, they gasped, few things? I mean, five bags of gold? You're kidding. That's 30 to 40 years wages, and that's not just a few things. But Jesus said, you've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. And so the boss did what any good boss would do. He would say, way to go. You just earned yourself a raise and a promotion. Verse 22, the man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he says, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I've gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. And so the two bagger became a four bagger. The boss was equally impressed. Said, you get a raise and a promotion. But at this point, if there were a soundtrack in the background, the music would change. And the music would not be happy music. And the one bagger who had buried the money, and and again, just reading between the lines, the Bible doesn't say this, but I wonder if if he heard the rumor going through town, you know what, the boss is back, the master's back, and I wonder if he grabs his shovel and he goes to his backyard to try to find the bag of gold he had buried. Because it's been a long time, I wonder if he's thinking, where did I bury that? (laughs) You know, I know it's back here someplace. He digs holes. He said, you know what? I I remember burying it by a a, a bush, a shrub, because that would give me a point of reference, but the shrub died. Where did I bury it? And again, you won't find that in the Bible. That's the the gospel according to St. Joseph here. But he finally finds it. And he goes to face the master. In verse 24, then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, and this is so interesting. Do you know what he does? This is so you. And it's so me. It's so our society. Before he talks about what he did or didn't do with the money, he points his finger at the master as if to say, now, before I tell you what I did with the money, I just want to get this out in the open. You you know, I I don't beat around the bush. I, I, I tell it like it is. But boss, this is really your fault. Yeah, that's what he does. He said, 
I knew that you're a hard man, harvesting where you've not sown and gathering where you've not scattered seed. So, Master, you have a reputation. You know, you're such a hard driver with unreasonable expectations. So, so frankly, I was afraid. And, and, and you're known to have a hair-trigger temper. We walk on pins and needles around here. Uh, and not to mention, boss, you didn't give me enough money to do anything with. You, I mean, you gave all of these other guys where they could actually do something. They could start a small business. And, and, and again, boss, it takes money to make money. And, and all you gave me was a little measly bag of gold that wasn't enough to do squat. Verse 25. So I was afraid... And I went out and I hid your gold in the ground. See, here's what belongs to you. Well, how do you think that went over? Verse 26, his master replied. And remember, this is a parable. You wicked, lazy servant. And the the Greek word wicked can probably more accurately be translated worthless. So you worthless, lazy servant. And Why is he mad at the servant? Because he did something immoral? No, he's mad because he just didn't do anything. And we'll bring that up in just a moment again. goes on and says, So you knew that I harvest where I've not sown and gather where I've not scattered seed. In other words, you know, I take my my business seriously. I try to make a buck wherever I can. and, And I'm deeply offended that you wasted the opportunity of making a good return on a whole bag of gold and... And so the master says, at least in verse 27, you you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers. You know, you don't make much there, but what, Todd, 2.37% interest? Said So that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest? I mean, you should have done that at least, but you were too lazy. And not to mention, yeah, now my gold has mud all over it because it's been in the ground for however many years. And remember, uh, I told you this parable would have a surprise ending. Here it is. And, and by the way, I want to say this kindly, but some of you socialists will not like this. That's a joke, by the way. And some of you Democrats won't like it either, and, and, and Republicans. In fact, human nature, we won't like it. And especially those of you that are always keeping score, making sure that everything is always fair, fair you know, You're keeping track. Let me see. We gave them a present, but they didn't give anything back. And, you know, we invited them over. They never invited us back. And, you know, you keep score. You won't like this. Because the master said in verse 28, Take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has ten bags. And what would our society say here? So not fair. In fact, our society would probably say, well, we're going to sue the master because he took away the bag of gold from this poor one bagger and we're going to sue and ask for damages and compensation of at least three bags of gold from the guy with ten bags and at least one bag of gold from the guy that has four bags and how dare you take away from the have-nots and give to the haves. That's what we would say today. But Jesus says, Mr. One-bagger, you had your opportunity I mean, one bag of gold is a lot of money. 
And he squandered his opportunity. He wasted his chance. And, and the master's thinking, I thought he had some potential, but, but it's clear that he is a worthless, lazy servant. Well, at this point, Jesus takes the opportunity to preach a little sermonette. Verse 29, for those who have will be given more and they will have an abundance. As for those who do not have, even what they have will be taken from them. To which again, our society would go, that doesn't sound very Christian-like. But Jesus or the master continues on in verse 30 and throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. To which many of us are horrified and say, oh my goodness, what, what are you saying? Well, it sounds like Jesus is saying, if you don't manage your money well, you'll go to hell. If I were preaching that, I could just end the sermon and say, thanks for coming today. Let's close in a word of prayer. Thanks, God, for allowing us this moment together. Amen. Remember, this is a parable. This is just an illustration. So the question is, what does this parable mean? I've taken this long to set the stage what does it mean? Well, again, I thought about being like Jesus and telling the parable and walking off and let, letting you figure it out for yourself. But I want to take just a few moments to try to bring some application to us. And there are two different applications that I think are representative of what Jesus was trying to get across. And I want to give both of them to you. The, the first application ties in perfectly with our series on comparison. If you study this parable as well as the other back-to-back-to-back parables in Matthew 24 and 25, what really becomes clear is that the talents, the resources, the money, the abilities that you've been entrusted with are far less important than what you do with them. Listen carefully. Whether you have five bags or two bags, or one bag, is not the point. The important point is, what are you going to do with what you have? Or in Cedar County terminology, what you going to do with what you got? What you going to do with what you got? That's what's important. In this parable, Jesus is helping us understand that everything that you have, whether it's big or little, it all came to you because of God's love and grace. Nothing you have is deserved. And nothing I have is deserved. And we best not start complaining, saying, well, that's not fair. You know, God plays favorites. He gave so-and-so five bags. He only gave me two bags. Not fair. I deserve better. But... But my question to you is, do you really want what you deserve? I mean, do you? Do you know what you deserve? Do you know what I deserve? Death. The wages of sin is death. I've sinned. You've sinned. We deserve death. So if there's something we could get out of this lesson... Could we, during our 40 days of decrease, decrease, get this part, this saying out of vocabulary that it's not fair? You don't want what's fair. That wouldn't be good for any of us. 
You know, we don't get to say, well, God, life isn't fair. I wasn't born wealthy, so I don't have a chance. Or God, I was born into a broken home, and so I messed up, and I can't do anything for you. Or, or God, I wasn't born with musical ability. Or God, I was born extremely shy. Or God, I wasn't born with a lot of natural ability. Or, or God, I've served my time. Let someone else do We can't use those things as an excuse to just bury the talent that God has given us. And so anytime we are tempted to look at everybody else and say, you know, if only, if only, if only I had that much money, if only I looked like her, if only I drove that, if only I lived there, if only, if only. Remember, what is important is not what you have. What is important is what are you going to do with what God has entrusted to you? So let me try to squeeze the last three weeks of sermons into one simple statement. And I know you're saying, why didn't you just say this to begin with and say three Sundays? But you might want to write this down. We need to celebrate what God has given others, but leverage what God has given us. I mean, first of all, celebrate what, what God has given others. You know, God, I, I'm glad she looks that way. I'll, I'll admit she's prettier than I am, and, and I'm glad for her. God, I'm, I, I'm glad she lost 20 pounds. I, I really need to, and I want to, but I'm glad for her. I know that will help her feel better. God, I'm glad they got a new car. And, you know, we certainly could use one. Ours is about to roll over and die. But I'm so glad for them because they need a dependable car that doesn't break down. God, I'm glad they were able to buy that house. And someday I would like to own my own home, uh, but you haven't entrusted that to me yet. But I'm really glad they got that new house. I celebrate and rejoice with them. So celebrate the blessings that others receive from God. But then the other half of that statement is that while we celebrate the blessings that others have, we also need to spend the rest of our lives leveraging what God has placed in our hands. So tune out that voice that says you're not thin enough. Tune out that voice that says you're not handsome enough or, or you're not cool enough or you're not, your, your kids aren't athletic enough or you're not influential enough or you're not educated enough. You're not outgoing enough. Tune out all of those thoughts and say, God, with your help, I will manage what you put in my hands in such a way that at the end of my life I can say... I gave it my best and I honored you with what you entrusted to me. Please don't try to run someone else's race. You know, don't think that you've got to keep up with everyone else. If, if you have a flip phone and you like it and it meets your needs, don't think you've got to upgrade to a smartphone. And I know if Mike Norman would hear, were here, he would say Amen. Now, understand that a flip phone is no more godly. Don't you think that a flip phone is a sign of godliness? It's not. A smartphone is no less godly. It's just a preference. If you can afford it, it's okay. If you do, it's okay if you don't. Just don't do it because of the pressure to keep up. Don't think you've got to take a cruise just because that's the thing to do these days. It's, It's not wrong if you do. It's not wrong if you don't. I mean, don't do it just because because others are doing it. You know, don't think that you've got to follow the trends. I, I mean, if you really want to dress stylish like your pastor and comb your hair like I do, don't 
feel the pressure because you can't keep up. And that, and that stems from a conversation that I had with one of my friends this week. And uh, he went to eBay to try to find some clothes like I wear. And he was just putting a little jab. Um, and I'm not going to mention whose name it is because I wouldn't want to embarrass him on the front row. But anyway, that's... Uh, Uh, don't think that you've got to follow the trends just to keep up. And especially don't think that you have to live up to the highlight reels of someone else's Facebook posts. You know what? Those are the highlights. Well, we went here. We got this. And do you think we, we put, well, you know, I had a fight with my spouse. Well, maybe some people do. That's ignorance. But... Um, most of the time we put on Facebook all of the wonderful things that we're doing and that's the highlight reel. Don't think that you've got to keep up with that. And, and parents, can you imagine the pressure you would take off of your kids if you help them embrace who they are and not try to push them into the mold of sports or music or hunting or fishing if that's not their thing and just help them embrace who they are and help them quit trying to be someone that they're not. Can you imagine the difference that would make? The pressure that would be released? And can you imagine the pressure you would take off of yourself if you did that as well? So, let's get off of the comparison treadmill and wake up every day and be who God called us to be because that will give God maximum glory and give you ultimate satisfaction. Okay, I, I, I said there were two common applications of this parable. Really, really fast, let me give you the last one. And this is a very serious one because this one has eternal implications. The burying of the talent helps us understand the seriousness of neglecting God. You know, today we're being continually pressured away from the theology that salvation is by grace through faith, but it does require an act of the will where we make a decision to invite Christ to come into our lives and be changed by Him. You know, salvation is not something that just happens over time. There must be an act of the will, repentance, an about-face. Old things must pass away. And this parable talks about the one-bagger you know what he did to incur the master's wrath and judgment? It wasn't anything immoral. There wasn't any crime that had been committed. But what brought about the master's anger and judgment was simply that he chose to do nothing. And that should be a stern warning to all of us. Do you know what it takes to go to hell? And I know we're not supposed to mention that word in church anymore. Isn't that funny? It's almost unacceptable. But do you know what it takes to go to hell? You know, from this parable, we see that all it takes is just to do nothing. Just fail to take advantage of the opportunities to receive and follow Christ. 
You don't have to be immoral. You don't have to have a foul mouth. You don't have to be an alcoholic or, or, or a drug addict. You don't have to be a thief or a murderer or a homosexual or, or whatever. But according to this parable, all it takes to go to hell, all it takes to receive eternal punishment is just doing nothing with the spiritual opportunity that God gives you. So as we close out this series and close out our, our time today, I want to just ask you, flat out ask you, have you, through an act of your will, accepted the grace and the forgiveness that God is offering you? Have you? Before we pray our closing prayer, here's what I want to do. I want to just have a few moments of silence. And I want you to really consider and ponder this matter. Have you, have you received Christ? And, and if you haven't, today is the day. Would you just say, God, here I am, I come. And through an act of my will, I admit that I'm not where I should be. And I want to receive you, your grace and forgiveness it's not by trying harder. It's not just by living a good life, but it's by, by a divine act where Jesus died on the cross for my sins. And I accept that, His salvation. Would you just uh, bow your heads right now and let's just spend a little bit of time praying before we have our closing prayer. Lord, I pray that you would give us honesty today. Lord, I pray that right now you would just settle down upon us. And don't let us fall into this trap in our society that, Lord, you know, we all have a good heart and at every funeral in this community, everybody's in a better place, you know, because they love their family and all this kind of stuff. And but Lord, help us to understand that going to a better place, it hinges on our relationship with you. Lord, I believe there are so many people, good people, law-abiding citizens and people who would probably keep the majority of the Ten Commandments. I believe that there will be many of them that will not make it. They, they simply, because they're depending on their goodness, and God, I pray that right now you would, if there's anybody here like that that's listening or on the radio or through the live stream, Father, I pray that if they have not accepted Jesus through an act where they say, I accept you, Jesus, Lord, I pray that right now they would just do that.
I pray that they would confess their sins and that they would accept you. God, I pray that there would be none that would be lost. Lord, none that attend here that when the day comes, I pray that there would be none that would be lost eternally. So God, I pray that you would do a divine work in our hearts and our minds. God, I pray this in your name. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Is there somebody that would just lift a hand and say, Pastor, would you, uh, would you just pray for me right now? Anybody? Thank you. I see your hand. Anybody else? I see your hand and your hand. Anybody else? Pray for me, Pastor. I know I need prayer right now. Oh, God, you know those hands that went up. You know the needs of the heart. God, I pray that we would make sure that our lives are right with you. So we thank you, Lord, for the presence of your Holy Spirit throughout this entire service. God, as we leave this place today, I pray that what you've given us, entrusted to us, that we would use it. Lord, I believe there are some people here that that think that maybe their wealth is just to be used selfishly. and But God, any wealth that you've given us is to bless others. Lord, I believe there are some people here that you've given them the talent of pl- being able to play a musical instrument. And God, it's not just to be able to play it there at home with the doors closed, but it's to bless others. Lord, there may be some people here that as we're even trying to make a plea for mowers on the rotation there may be some that say, you know, I, I, I can't really uh, teach, I can't sing, but I can mow the lawn. And so I'm willing to volunteer. There may be another one that would say, you know what, I could push a vacuum sweeper. Lord, I pray that those gifts, those talents that you give us, that we would use it for your honor and glory, not just selfishly for our own good. And so, Lord, as we, uh, as we move out of this series and more intensely begin preparing ourselves for Easter. Just don't let us live in the land of Ur anymore. Lord, don't let us compare. But God, let us uh, celebrate what you've given others. And Lord, uh, help us to be able to manage and wisely those talents that you've given us personally. And so Lord, we thank you again for your presence. And we ask your blessing, your favor upon these people that have come. I pray this in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen and amen. Thanks for sticking around today, and uh, we will see you this evening. Don't bury your talent this week, please. You've been listening to the Sunday morning message broadcast from Church of God Holiness in El Dorado Springs. Our messages are archived at www.eldochurch.com or to order compact discs or DVD videos of the messages, call the church at 417-876-2200. Thank you for listening.